we start today's episode, just to let you know, you can now nominate for the 2025 Northern Power Women Awards. To be in with a chance of celebrating with changemakers, trailblazers and advocates on the 6th of March 2025. Nominate now at wearepower.net. Power Women podcast for your career and your life, no matter what business you're in. Hello and welcome to the second episode in our showcase season of the Northern Power Women podcast. I'm your host, Simone Roche, and as we get closer to this year's Northern Power Women Awards, 21st of March for your calendar, a night that is dedicated to showcasing the amazing talent we've got across the North. Every week, I'm going to be chatting to an incredible role model from across the community. This week, I'm joined by yet another fantastic changemaker, trailblazer, who, I've only just told her, joined the Power List, which we announced last week, Gloria Hyatt, MBE, Liverpool's first black head teacher and recipient of an MBE for services to education. The school and academy that she established served secondary and adult learners from predominantly black and racial minority groups across the Liverpool city region to learn, train and gain based a career-based qualifications. And as founder of the Teach Consultancy, she has led the successful delivery of a range of education, coaching, consult- consultation services to small organisations locally, nationally and internationally. She continues to support transformational change, recently co-producing the first action research commissioned by the Office of the Metro Mayor at Liverpool City Region Combined Authority on the barriers and enablers for black entrepreneurs in the Liverpool City Region with recommendations and is now contributing to the change needed in the business ecosystem. Wow, I'm going to sit back, take a breath, get a brew. Welcome to the podcast, Gloria. Thank you so much, Simone, for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, you know what? Your achievements are huge, aren't they? But so widespread and equally still ongoing. You know, I can tell you're a woman that is, I'm just on a mission and I'm just going to keep going. So it's hard to know where do we start with this. But let's talk. What is at the heart of everything that you have done is teaching? What led you or what took you on that path into education and teaching? Well, I think um, it, it, it started out um, for me when I was, you know, a young person I was in primary school I was only seven and um, my teacher uh, gave me a chocolate orange for my Bertie and she used to drive a TR7 and she was dead cool and trendy and she really cared about me and the reason why that was really important to me is I was a kid in the care system and I wasn't used to being treated like that and so I thought wow I want to be like her and being like her meant I wanted to be a teacher. So that was the first thing. The next thing was um, later on when I'd moved, and typical of um, kids in care, you know, we moved around a lot. And I met another teacher, and I was particularly good. I was a talented um, athlete, Merseyside champion and a uh, northern champion sprinter. So, um, you know, this this teacher took, took me under the wing, um, the PE teacher, and she really took an interest in me and I looked at her and I thought I want to be able to do this do what she does help kids to be better at PE 
and helped them to improve. And then, of course, there was the English side of things. I loved reading and writing. And so she just inspired me and I thought, I want to be a teacher. I want to be like her. And, and, and that's also kept me on that path, basically. We talk about that such a long, a lot of times, you know, where that is that one person as you're growing up. And it is, it's interesting what you just said there. It's, it's not so much it's the one that inspired you just to push and push, but it's the one person that just took care. And I think that's such a, it just took care and took notice of you. I think it's such a, feels like a small thing, but it's a massive thing, isn't it? And that, do you think that's, that's made you who you are, right? And has that made you want to pass on that and, and pay that forward? Absolutely. I mean, because of my circumstances and because, they, you know, that, 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 that saying, it's not what they say, it's how they make you feel is so important. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make other people feel better, like I felt better, feel inspired, like I felt inspired, feel, feel like I can do this, like I, I felt. She gave me all those feelings um, and feel supported. And I just knew that. That's the kind of teacher I wanted to be. That's what I wanted to be remembered for. And that's what I wanted to leave a legacy around. So when did you first start to notice the inequality in education and in a broader sense? Well, I think um, there was a a number of things happening. I mean, I was, um, I I run it as a joke, but it's the truth. I was only black kid in the village, (laughs) you know. And so I stood out, you know. And what I noticed is that I, I was treated differently from from other kids, not by all the teachers, but but by some of the teachers. And I, I experienced quite a bit of name calling, and so I learned to fight, you know, physically fight. And then what I found is that the teachers didn't actually treat you the same when they dealt out punishments. I was usually punished more, and not many people know this, but I actually got excluded from one school because. I was what I call standing up for myself. Um, so I noticed those things, but then it became more apparent when um, I started reading about it in uni and finding out that you know kids were being put in special needs schools. They were considered that intellectually inferior. And I thought, how can you, you be intellectually inferior just because you're a different colour? to somebody and I knew I wasn't actually inferior I was a high achieving uh, student so reading and um, then going into schools when I was um, a student teacher I could see that the kids were being ignored black kids were putting their hands up and they weren't being asked to, to answer the question they were being put in lower sets um, and then the really personal stuff about you can't wear your hair the way it's naturally worn you know, having plaits, that's the way it was naturally worn by bad kids at the time, but we weren't allowed. So there was attacks on your identity. So all these things kind of I noticed and I just thought I need to do something about it and I'm going to. And that's what sort of set me on my mission for changing the education system. And it's just simply not fair. And I, I couldn't even begin to imagine what that was like. Because like you said, it's from a, a personal perspective and actually just being treated on a totally different level. It's just to a totally different standard. So how did you know where to begin? And how, you know, where did you start in changing, in changing this? Well, I think um, the I I I learned and I knew where to begin because of a failure. Because what I'd done is I'd written an assignment and um, my my lecturer in college 
Uh, the assignment was black underachievement in education and overachievement in sport. And the lecturer failed me. And she said, I don't understand you a lot. And I was aghast. I was so hurt. Oh my I thought, God. I'm leaving. I'm, nev- I'm never going to be a teacher. I don't want to be around these horrible people. But a white lecturer who, who was you know, very high-ranking male came and got involved. And he said, no, you're not leaving. And you're so good at articulating what the problems are. I think you should go and train them. So I became the, the, the staff trainer as a student in my university. And I got support from my from my other teachers, and so basically that's when I realised actually I am I am the solution, and I've got to realise that it's going to be a, a tough path, but I'm tough enough to deal with this. So basically, um, what I started doing then was looking for solutions. So I started writing more. I felt like I've got to be defiant and write more, but speak to people more and educate them more and tell them not just teachers but young people I, I taught them about you know setting up strategies for dealing with the challenges that they had and helping them with self-belief so I started doing loads of personal development on myself and learning about how to speak to people how to um, enthuse people how to build self-esteem and resilience and then I just try and translated it into you know, um, what eventually became our business plan. So, and was that easy to get people on board? Did anyone out there surprise you that you think, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be cheeky, I'm going to ask, but they're never going to say yes? Did anyone surprise you? Um, well, to be honest with you, if you think about it, I was a teacher, but I was inadvertently pushed into becoming a business person because what happened is I had a permanent job, a, a, a cushy job a job with a pension and a job for life. And it was my former social worker who came to me and said, Glory, does this does this um, organisation, it's only a six-month contract, but I think you can do this. Um, speak to these people. So basically, I spoke to people in the community, people who were teachers and people who were influencers and said, look, I want to go for this job, but I want it to be a school. I don't want it to be a six-month community project. That's stereotypical. That's low expectation. And so I got loads of people to help me. It wasn't easy. I think sometimes I didn't have a clue because I just went up there and said, just, can you do this? I was kind of forthright. I was fearless. I didn't realise that you had to be fearful, to be honest. (laughs) I just did it. But then I started taking advice from, you know, influencers who were doing, you know, high in the in the education system and they were guiding me to, to know how to approach people so it, it definitely wasn't easy and i got so many rejections and it took it took us eight years actually you know six years to become a school so for six years we were doing all these community activities because in liverpool that's all they expected of black organizations that they were just community that they couldn't be mainstream but I was just I just knew it was going to happen and I knew I had this big idea that we're going to become an independent school I didn't know we were going to become the first independent school that was an academy I I just knew we were going to do it and we're going to achieve it some way somehow and by having loads of conversations and plotting and planning and I used to have a little um, pad at the side of my bed <laughs> and write ideas down, you know. It just it, it just got done. 
I love it. I love that whole, you know, the plotting, the planning, being fearless. I mean, we talk about the Maya Angelou uh, quotation earlier and I'm picking some crap, you know, because I'm cracking ones up here. You know, I love that. I mean, I am the solution was something that you said earlier. And what advice could you give to someone who wants to affect change um, in that way um, that you have and, and is part of the start of their journey? How do we encourage them to be less fearful and be more fearless? Well, I think the the thing you need to do really is look at somebody who inspires you and model them. You know, I had loads of women, loads of women who were real achievers. Maybe they hadn't been recognised as achievers, but they were because they'd um, broken down barriers and done things that hadn't been done before. So I think what you do is you model them, you watch them, you listen to them, you, you, you put your own stamp on it but you learn from what they do and how they do it. I think that's the first thing is modelling. I think one of the other things is make sure that you build good relationships, you nurture relationships, that you actually recognise that you may have people who don't agree with you, but keep them in your relationships as long as they're not toxic because there may be a time when they come round to your way of thinking or they're going to be some help to you. The second thing, and I think this is quite quite the most probably the most important thing is be yourself don't be worried about not being yourself even if people don't like you for who you are it's better to be not liked for who you are than liked for who you're not the most important one as well they're also important to the company but (laughs) make sure you have your end in mind know what it is that you want to achieve Know what it is that you want to see. Know what it looks like. Know what it smells like. Be determined that you are going to get there. And there will be lots of ups and downs along the way. It won't be an easy thing. And I love all this. And we've been doing, uh, for those of you regular listeners to the podcast, we've been doing our power up sessions and we've been doing them with people at the start of their career and people in university and in colleges. And you know what, if I could bottle, in fact, actually, I think there's a whole T-shirt with all of those, you know, um, have the end in mind, be true to yourself, build those good relationships. And I think building those relationships around you and, uh, you know, I'm always a big fan of never burning bridges. You know, you just never know what that, that one conversation, you know, even if you think oh it's not now I don't really get it I'm gonna you know nobody's disposable you know I think it's really building and putting a thing so just a final sort of question you know we talked about role modeling and it's sometimes hard uh you know to shout about your achievements the sole reason I created the awards was to encourage people to high five themselves it wasn't about one night on a stage with a beautiful trophy and, and a badge it was about that wider conversation it was about having this conversation today it was about unearthing literally kick-ass role models but um how you know but this is how we become role models and so what do you say to people who are nervous to be head remember that everybody started off at the beginning and that you know it takes time to build your greatness so just be patient with yourself be kind with yourself keep believing in yourself and remember that someone's watching you so you are inspiring people already so take the step have courage and just keep forging forward. Wow. 
this I have loved this. There's so much wisdom in here. I'm literally scrolling away. I can't even read my writing. But we take we translate these brilliant sound bites. We take take this advice and we all put this um, out onto our social medias and that because we want to share. So whether you're listening, whether you're reading some of these great um, wisdom, uh, you know, uh, inspiration and you know, fantastic Gloria. I am so honoured that you have joined me today on the Northern Power Women podcast. So just in awe and inspired by what you have achieved and continue to achieve. You know, there's no stopping you, is there? You are fearless. I love the fact that, you know, you have gone from exclusion to inclusion. So I really appreciate your time today in joining me and and giving us a whistle-stop tour of your journey and how to activate for good. Thank you so much. Been a pleasure being with you. It's been brilliant. The life lessons we've picked up along the way there have been totally phenomenal. So thanks all of you for tuning in today. Please do tell your friends about the podcast. Leave us a review. We have good chats. We have great, we share great wisdom. So please share on our socials at North Power Women on Twitter and at Northern Power Women on all other social media. Join us next week on the 21st of Feb when we'll be joined by another force of nature from across the Northern Power Women community. My name is Samir Roche and you've been listening to the Northern Power Women podcast, a What Goes On Media production. Oh, yeah.